Hi everyone. In this episode, we spoke to the founder of Opening Up, Mark Boyds. Mark founded Opening Up after losing a friend to suicide and is doing brilliant work in touring the UK's cricket clubs to open up discussions on mental health. Outside this, we talked about mental health in sports in general and how Mark looks after his own mental health. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you do, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Hi Mark, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Harry, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, so just to start, can you kind of um, just outline what, what your kind of personal and professional interests and relationship with mental health is? Yeah, sure. I think there's probably there two or three different uh, perspectives that I, I come at it from. So first of all, I, I run a campaign called Open Up Cricket, which promotes mental well-being and suicide prevention through the brilliant sport of cricket um, that's the reason why I do that is is largely down to both personal experience of of mental illness and the experience of a, of a friend who, who took his own life so I, I look at it from from those angles but um, also I, I, I teach by by trade and I find that it's a, an area which is so important to the development of of young people and is perhaps sometimes approached in not necessarily the wrong way but in a way which doesn't cater for the the breadth of the topic uh, and also i suppose just to throw in a final one i'm fascinated by the area of mental health um both from a kind of psychology perspective but also from a sporting perspective um when we look at performance of players and what makes people be high achievers compared to those who perhaps don't fulfill their potential so i'm thinking about it in a lot of different ways really yeah and i think that's something we've, we've spoken about before um about the kind of two sides of it where we've got the one side of kind of mental ill health but then also the performance side and i think uh you can correct me if i'm wrong but in a in a sport like cricket which we both love um the kind of mental preparation for it seems to be such a big aspect because i think particularly if you're a batsman you kind of get one chance um and that the kind of mental strain that's put on you from that must be huge yeah it it can be Uh, it, it certainly can be very brutal in the fact that as you say you walk out to bat and you could be walking back within a minute and then that's your chance of success for the day or if it's a professional cricket it could be for the next couple of days gone uh, and it's really interesting that as an example to get people engaged with the mental side of the game because if someone in that scenario considers a low score as failure and they view it in those terms then that can be very um very difficult to deal with even for people who 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 may have coping mechanisms what is interesting to see is when there's a little bit more of a balanced view which the which is in which the best players have in common where they try to stay as level as they can and recognize that there will be successes and to not get too carried away with that but also there will be these times where they do they do not achieve what they want to do and 
I always try to get across to players that I work with the example of, of people like Coley, Root, Williamson, the best players in the world, Steve Smith, and say, even though they appear to succeed and get high scores all the time, the majority of their innings are ones which are below what they would want to achieve. So they must find ways of being able to contextualise that and and cope with that so-called failure. And there's a range of things that people can look at from performance aspects, but I think that's a really useful lesson to apply to everyday life and how we can see that if our day job or relationships and things aren't going well, that it's not always terminal like we think, and there is always the chance for tomorrow to be better, but people often will be swimming against the tide um, in terms of the perception of mental health, and you've mentioned there mental ill health, that people will, will only be thinking about mental health when it's when there's a problem rather than thinking about ways they can be mentally fitter and healthier, which can help them both deal with, with problems day to day and also perhaps build up some kind of uh, resistance to these things happening, not ruling out mental illness at all just like physical illness can affect anyone but just having a little bit more autonomy which is quite important to people in terms of how they live their lives yeah i think that's a really good point and i think one thing from uh from a club cricketer's perspective is that it can often be seen as quite binary so you, you either i think especially if you're a batsman you either do well or you do badly and that's your weekend um so how how have you uh, opening up kind of encourage club cricketers to see to see beyond that yeah it's it, it is a tricky one up a large part of your spare time to do it and the more people engage in training during the week to prepare for a weekend the more they feel invested in it and there's additional pressure applied internally to succeed because you think i need to succeed because i've put so much time in it would it be a waste of my time if i if i don't but what we'll what we'll try to promote which is these things are byproducts of just of good uh, mentally healthy approaches is to try and get people to wherever possible think about the the process that they go through rather than just the outcome so particularly with with younger players but everyone's uh, hopefully receptive to this the idea that if you you do lose or you do get a low score there is still something that you can take from that which is a positive which is developmental to then make to then enable you to perhaps get that higher score later on but also not view it in those binary terms that you mentioned where we're just fixated with win or lose because if it's just about winning and losing then when we win we there's a temptation to get carried away and when we lose there's then the temptation to catastrophize when the reality is somewhere in the middle so having that more reflective approach is something that we we try to encourage and using different different techniques to aid that then hopefully makes people think yes we do play to win and we enjoy it more when we win but there can be something taken out of the game even if you don't get a particular numeric or external um, uh, target met yeah and that kind of brings us on to opening up and and what is it we kind of touched on it a little bit but it'd be good to know what is it exactly um exactly that you aim to do and and how do you support people's mental health yeah the the, the principal aim is to encourage the the, uh, the the people we come into contact with to 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 engage with ways that they can be 
mentally healthier. And the the quite critical aspect of that is that our, our twin aims are to promote mental well-being and suicide prevention. So it's something that I feel really strongly about that people can take some control and can take some uh, some grasp of the direction that their their health goes in and by building some good habits around communication and teamwork and and other things then if things do start to decline there's the pot there's the potential and the opportunity to to seek that bit of help earlier so that the very worst doesn't happen um but within that it, it can be it's pretty flexible in terms of how people engage with it so i'll always throw out a few ideas but everyone has an individual way of of working on these things so it will be to to speak with players and to offer some some ideas but to have a, a conversation to to see what works for them what wouldn't work in their setting but to to leave with them being in a position to say there are things that they can do they can look after their mental health as well as their physical health and for some players that can be tapping into some aspects that will be linked directly to performance it's not a sports psychology uh, session but it's promoting uh, good practice for mental health which will have some kind of overlap with that and for others it might just be leaning on the things that they already do in terms of that teamwork and and looking out for each other but just reminding them that that is good for mental health and and well-being so i suppose the intention really with without making it too simplistic is just to get people thinking about it and to get people talking and realizing that this is a part of their life that they do have the ability to to have an influence over rather than a lot of media depictions of the the dreadful situation some people find themselves in and how they wish they had sought help earlier this is perhaps to go a bit further back and to encourage people to be proactive yeah and you've had a good a good reaction from from the clubs and and that you've gone into or has it been a bit of pushback because i can imagine i can imagine something like this maybe 10 15 years ago wouldn't have been as successful it is as it as it has been um because this might be com- a, co- a completely wrong perception that I have, but I can imagine there might have been a bit a bit more kind of pushback against it when particularly men didn't really want to speak about those kind of emotional issues. But you found it to be something the clubs have really got on board with. Yeah, I think the time that I've been doing it, which is from 2014, has coincided with a general... Uh, improvement in, in in attitudes and and education in this area so more and more people are seeing through work or, or through media or anywhere else that they engage with with people that mental illness is something which is uh, which is prevalent when we see the statistics around one in four people and we see some things around uh, diagnosis rates and so on so it's on the agenda so that gives you a little bit of a head start in terms of broaching the subject and it's the, the reception is is a is a tricky one because by nature the clubs which we go to will have invited us so they'll already have, have committed to 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 thinking it is worthwhile so i suppose the the thing which we'd never get the answer from is why don't some why do some clubs who who are aware of it choose not to engage 
Uh, and then what can we do more to engage clubs who perhaps haven't heard of it or a bit a bit undecided? But for the most part, and I'd say after every session, if not 100% of them, then, then very close to that, there will be some form of contact from a a participant for them to talk a little bit more about it. It could be as simple as them asking asking for a reminder of a, a, an app or a link that was mentioned or it might be more of a discussion about something particular to them or their setting where they want to just go that little bit further so that idea of introducing the topic to them and then having people starting those those dialogues is is the thing which I think shows and keeps me wanting to do it um, that, that there is some worth in it and that people do find even if they don't agree with everything i say or they think that the way i've said it they you know they, they don't like my style whatever it is but they hopefully have thought yeah there's a there's at least something in there that i can i can consider and, and make it part of how i engage with my own and and others mental health do you think that's been helped by um quite prominent people in the professional game like Triscothic and flintoff and sarah taylor talking quite openly about their mental health has that helped uh, kind of club cricketers um come come forward and talk about it or or do you think they can't really relate to to someone at that kind of high level no i think it, it does make a good a good positive difference and it's it makes for our conversations to be to be much more straightforward in saying well here's your example and people will have heard about it and will be aware of it i was at um i was with a group on uh, monday just gone and we we mentioned the recent example of glenn maxwell and what Justin Langer had said, and there's a quote that we put on the screen, was almost perfect in terms of you under, how he understood that something wasn't quite right, right with the player and how then he broached the, the topic. So those examples, the high-profile ones, are really good as, a, as an entry point to get people thinking, look, this is something that isn't unusual, it isn't bizarre, it isn't reserved for certain types of people, whoever they are. It is something that can affect the, the very best players in in world cricket and, and therefore can, can affect anyone. The thing which maybe makes them relate it a little bit more is saying, okay, we don't necessarily find it hard, find it easy, sorry, to, 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 to understand the pressures of, of being on an international tour and the pressures of the, 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 the press and, and the selection criteria and stuff in pro sport. But as a group of recreational cricketers, we can think about how, we flip it around and say, well, cricket's supposed to be our release from mm. our stresses in our life. So then it, it's just managing that balance between the high-profile examples being the intro and then bringing some examples from, if you like, everyday life to say to players, you know, I, I use some of my experience and say I'm in a similar position to them in that I'm a, someone who's played cricket since I was however old and, and I'm... A, the bloke off the street in that sense that hopefully they can relate to and think that might be something that rings a bit more true with them. Yeah, and go back to that to that Australia example. You've got the likes of um, I think it's three players: Glenn Maxwell, um, Will Pukowski, and I forget the name of the other guy who've all taken um, breaks from playing both club and international cricket to look after their mental health. Do you actually think? I, I think it's been written about a bit that that based on that people have said cricket you know cricket has an issue with mental health but from my perspective I kind of see it as a really positive thing that that Cricket Australia has proactively identified these three players or they've felt comfortable enough to say you know look I'm actually not feeling okay and I need a bit of time out so do you think it's 
from my perspective, I think it's a very positive thing that they've been able to do that rather than cricket having any particular problem with mental health. Yeah, I agree entirely. I think that uh, we're often looking for a straightforward answer that can fit into the length of a tweet or a, sh- or a short paragraph. The issues that Glenn Maxwell or Will Pukowski or any other player around the, the, the international or, or professional game are encountering are particular to them and the set of symptoms or signs that they exhibit will be just slightly different on each occasion but what seems to be a common thread that's run through is the response of Cricket Australia and they've been speaking recently about their plan around mental health about how they're going to not only provide support for players who need it who feel that the best method for them is to take time out of the game rather than attempting to struggle on with what is an injury. If it was an, a knee problem, we wouldn't be applauding people for saying, oh, he battled on, he battled on, because that's going to make the thing worse and worse. So for them to take that, that, that what is quite an advanced approach compared to other, uh, maybe other sports or mo- other walks of life, that's a really interesting and, uh, and powerful message to send. But it wouldn't be as powerful if they hadn't backed it up with this idea that they're, they are going to bring in their training around mental mental health and the plan that they've got, which uh, which they that they published fairly recently, is a really good blend of not just the mental health first aid style training and the the areas around helping friends and and, sp- and spotting signs and how to have conversations. That bit's there, which is absolutely important and critical but they've also got some bits in there about building resilience and about understanding themselves so that this really shows that mental health is a continuum and it's such a i mean i hasten to use the word mature because that sounds patronizing but it is a really really uh, really good example of how people can and should be thinking about mental health as a whole topic rather than what we've had a lot of is People have uh, have spoken out about uh, problems they've had. There's been a generally warm reaction. People shake their heads about how bad it is, and they worry about the l- lack of investment in the NHS, mental health services, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then don't think about how you could do something a few stages back to perhaps help with a, a culture or a team environment, or just things which enable people to be ha- healthier in the first place. So. This stuff is absolutely brilliant, and I'll rave about it to, to to anyone who wants to listen or people who don't want to listen, because it, it does just show that they are a big step for me ahead of of what I can see in in other areas of sport. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I think two Englishmen giving really big praise to the Australian cricket team shows how good it is. Absolutely, it's not not a, a natural thing to do, but yeah, credit where it's due. I think it is it's fantastic, and ECB, any other cricket um, national governing body or other sports could do really well to look at that. And it might be, I'm not aware of every sport in the world, it might be that there's great practice similar to this going on elsewhere that's not as well publicised. But it'd be brilliant if people would look at it and reflect, even at club level, and think, okay, we're not necessarily able to provide a bespoke training course, which is run over a a set of years but could we take a small bit of that and just introduce it to our players and see what happens and all the stuff we try physically with all the different training aids and things like that and all the things we do to try and encourage players to sign for our clubs and try to keep them with different bits and pieces this is another area that is worth looking at yeah and yeah so kind of using the australian model as a template for 
for for for all the other the counties and countries i think would be a good idea and something that i think there would be no reason why they wouldn't want to share it i suppose because although like it may increase the the potential performance if you've got you know happier and healthier players i don't think it would be something that they would be willing un, not not willing to share oh no absolutely not and i think what i've been i've followed justin langer and his approach um from when he was a player all the way through his coaching career and i was my interest in him was particularly piqued by him him saying that he's meditated since 1993 when I could imagine someone popping up in 1993 saying that they're into meditation wouldn't have been particularly mainstream. Yeah, a bit new and, age. And... Yeah, and people have the, with the image of him being on a beach in Bali, uh, you know, smoking something he shouldn't, <laughs> what have you. And that Eastern kind of mysticism that people used to just solely associate with meditation. So he's quite progressive and forward thinking then. And as a coach, I, I, I'm now honed to look out for things that he's saying, but he, he talks so much sense about looking after individuals and looking after how how players respond to things and their their resilience and and so on and and i think that i i have this kind of it's not not a complex at all but it, it potentially could be that if i go out to a to a club or, or i'm just chatting with someone at a particular club it might be that they're in the same region as as, as my club and I'm going to be telling them things which if uh, if they engage with and if it works for them could make them better players and the, the outcome of that might be that my my team is beaten by it but really sport is is about uh, so many things and one of them is about being successful on the pitch but um, if you could if anyone whether it's from Australia Cricket Australia down to to grassroots if people can share things that make individuals have happier healthier more fulfilled lives then that's got to be part of our purposes as human beings to, to share that really without making it sound too cliched so anything that people could could take from that i think would be, would be brilliant even if they look at the exact things that the aussies do and think oh we couldn't apply that you'd, you'd hopefully be thinking we couldn't apply that example but we could apply something different and it would might look like a completely different program, but it is still focused on looking after people that you come into contact with. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And to kind of move move things away from cricket a little bit, you said that professionally you're a you're a teacher, and I was wondering, have you seen? I don't know how long you've been teaching for, but have you seen um, a shift in in young people's mental health, the way they if they are suffering more, but also the way uh, that they perceive it and talk about it. Yeah, I think I have. I, I've been in the the profession for oh, about sort of uh, seven, eight years, if I include the the training aspect of it as well. And one bit which has has certainly changed a lot is that general awareness of mental ill health and things which can come as a result of that. So uh, in the settings that I've worked at, which is post sixteen you have a lot more tracking and logging of of what's going on uh, for safeguarding purposes but increasingly also to include things which which are away from that more traditional safeguarding model so there's a lot more information about how people are and, and what's happening and potential issues that are going on so it's it's very high up on the agenda now the, this is always an interesting thing to ponder. Is it now that there's more people having 
mental health problems or is it just that those those things always happen but we're now more aware of them because of the the nature of the discussion so i'm not sure about the answer to to that but um i think some of the aspects which have made things uh, uh, made it it become more prominent are, are things which i didn't have when i was the same age as the students and i don't want to sound like my dad or someone's uncle but social media is is something which presents some some challenges in there now i'm never going to have a go at social media entirely because without it the reach and and the ability to see people with what i do with open up would be so restricted but the comparison culture that that exists within it is not helpful if people engage with that too much and looking at how many likes something gets or seeing a photo and, and projecting their problems to that by comparison so i think with that there's a there's a there's a certainly a a problem but my final bit as a bit of a reflection on it would be the word resilience gets thrown around a lot and the students are certainly aware that resilience is something that it should that is a good thing but um there's little done to actually equip people with how to be resilient it's quite demotivating to say you should be more resilient, mm. uh, but not tell you how to do it. And then you feel even worse because you're like, oh, I should be resilient, but I'm not. And I don't know how to do it. So they, there is that little bit of some of the good intention stuff is not supported by the, the practice. And we do get a lot. I mean, you see the general election campaign at the moment, parties of, uh, of all colour saying, oh, well, we need to have um, a counsellor in each school. We need to have more people mental health first aid trained. And you say, yes, that sounds absolutely brilliant. And they can't argue with that. But all of that is still reactive. It's waiting for someone to have have a problem. It's not actually saying a bit further back when fe- people are feeling not bad, feeling pretty good. What can we do to build skills that might help with resilience and deal with setbacks and problems? There just doesn't seem to be that focus universally. I'm sure it goes on in pockets. But th- that's always been my reflection on it, that it's so focused, a bit like cricket can be the system ten- can be very focused on the outcome and so these students are here to get these grades and their a levels or their btechs rather than thinking well part of the process if you get that right and people are happier and people are feeling more confident then you probably get the outcome but if you don't it's not the end of the world and even if Ofsted says you're not an outstanding college as a result well some of the stuff that you're doing to look after people better can be good consolation that you haven't got that, that external reward yeah, I think it's a, a big aspect that's ignored in in the mental health field is actually um, prevention itself. So making sure that when people are feeling good, they recognise why they're feeling good and they kind of keep that going. And actually, um, you talk about the election at the moment and all the uh, pretty much all the parties are saying they're going to put X million into mental health and they say it very generally and generically. But actually, if you targeted it at the source and you kind of put in some preventative care, that would save so much money for the NHS. And it's just about knowing where to where to put the, the emphasis, I suppose. Yeah, and I, I try and draw a parallel with some aspects of, of physical health or physical ill health and think smoking and obesity, we, look, we often hear as being criti- the, the critical challenges. Now, we don't wait for someone to have smoked 40 a day for 40 years. We 
people are generally now a lot more aware, or in fact everyone's aware because it's on the cigarette packets and so on, that smoking is bad for you. And of course people will make a choice to do it, but you've seen over a few interventions the preventative aspect of promoting a better physical health by things that have happened to reduce the amount of smokers. And that will have a benefit event at the other end by having less NHS expenditure on, on treating the um, the outcomes of, of, of smoking. But those things earlier on, the kind of public health awareness um, has been has been pretty effective in terms of of getting moving people away from a culture where 1970s you've got the captains on question of sport smoking while they're doing yeah. that and it, and it was something which was just as regular a thing to pick up as a cup of coffee so that as a thing is really interesting comparison whereas in 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 men, the mental health area it, it's it's actually getting quite frustrating to see things on the on the social media channels where you have people talking about mental health as a as a which for us is this is this such a big term and there's so much involved but they reduce it down to just the mental ill health even people who it's all good it's all well intentioned and it, it always feel a bit bad kind of thinking that i'm frustrated i shouldn't i shouldn't necessarily be but you just think of yeah that pot of money taking a slice of it and saying could we do some some kind of interventions or do some things that help people understand themselves better like you said if you're feeling good then what is that is there a bit of reflection you can do to say well actually i'm exercising regularly i'm pretty happy with my diet um i'm not too stressed at work because i'm making sure i go out and have a lunch break i'm making i see my friends and my family quite regularly and we might take them for granted but they're all things which if they're taken away, could lead to declines. But this isn't really spoken about. I, 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 I actually am trying to work out why. I think maybe it's easier for people to, to put a sum of money and say, this will, this will fix the problem here and we can reach X amount of people. But why are we waiting for people to get into crisis before we engage with it? Why aren't we thinking about this as the most important area of your life, how happy you are? You've got X amount of years on Earth, and we're spending a lot of time waiting for people to be chronically unhappy before we do anything about it. And, and that's just uh, bizarre from where I'm sitting. Yeah, I think we're very much on the same page in, in that sense. Um, just to kind of start wrapping things up, how do you um, how do you personally look after your mental health? Well, yeah, it's it's been over the years, like like with anyone, a lot of trial and error. Um, I, I, if I go back to, I had I've had two two major episodes of of clinical depression. The the kind of the very bleak side of things, where you there's where there had been um, suicidal ideation and just a, a complete uh, collapse of of self esteem and, and and various other things. And also, there's been sometimes with 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 episodes that have been less severe but have still been uh, had had a big impact on on my life and from each time from that what my biggest uh haste maybe not mistake but my perhaps my area that i've learned the most from was thinking once i'd got better that that was it and that there you go i'm, I'm all fixed up and and so on what I've learned over recent years is thinking about what I can do regularly, which even when I'm I'm feeling good, I don't notice it as much. But just to keep things ticking over and to keep myself aware of 
of of my my health and and the mental side of it being being one part of it so my things which i guess i would i'd probably swear by and i would i would i would advocate trying to anyone is the meditation has made the probably the biggest difference uh, to me the the other bit being journaling or or keeping a gratitude journal just to reflect on what has gone well and just to try and remind myself that even in a day which seems to have been a complete write-off that there will have been things that have gone well and that around me that I should be grateful for and keeping active um even I used to think that had to be running a certain amount of miles a week or lifting a certain uh uh, volume of weight Mm. but now it would even be just saying being active and combining that with with, with seeing people that I'm close to so just being out having a, a wander around on a, a, a Sunday afternoon still counts as that and still contributes to it so like like you've said now that's a really important thing for people to, to to think about is like just being honest with yourself about what makes you you feel good rather than always thinking oh I know that's bad for me just saying well what what's on the other side of it what does boost your mental health what makes you feel good so those three things if I manage to get them into the average day in in some way it it helps me deal with stresses and, and pressure but also gives me just that little bit of um a bit of a boost by thinking oh i've got this i can do something i've got some some control over this situation because a, a lot of the time it's so alienating when you feel like your happiness and your well-being is something which is dictated to you by by things outside of your control so they're the they're the three along with others which i'd probably need to spend uh, hours and hours talking about but yeah that they'd be three things which if people don't do um i i, I can't say any more than the fact that they have been life-changing yeah i think it's important to say that that different people find different things and it takes people different amount of time to to find out what helps them and you've got a quite a nice um holistic blend of of three things that have helped you um and just finally what what does the future look like for opening up? What are the plans, um, and how can we find find out more about it? Yeah, uh, we've got now in the in the next uh, few weeks and months before the the regular cricket season starts, we'll be doing work with university uh, cricket clubs, which we've done for, for for a little while now. So there'll be the sessions that I referred to earlier. But into the new year, there's going to be a focus on more of that but also some particular events we're looking at having a a conference style event where we get a range of speakers and and look at uh, mental health in cricket um in in a few different areas but uh we're always looking at any way just to have this keep the conversation going and, and keep in contact with with people who have interests in it uh if people are interested in in getting in touch then the website's openingupcricket.com my email is mark at openingupcricket.com and I'm on all of the social media platforms if you just put in opening up cricket there then you'll find us brilliant thank you very much mark and, and keep up the good work thank you harry cheers As ever, although the things Mark and I talked about we may find helpful, we're not trained medical experts. If you're struggling, please contact your local GP or call an organisation like Samaritans on 116 123.